Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Has Kamala Harris totally dropped the ball after being put in charge of the border? We have Congressman Jody Heiss here to react, and he has some harsh words for Kamala. And the RAV Save America bus tour is off and rolling along our southern border, and Ben Burkwam joins us from the road. He's going to show us what the Biden border crisis means to the residents living along the border. And up in New York City with 15 people shot over the weekend is the Big Apple becoming the new Chicago. New York City radio talk show host Kevin McCullough has more staggering statistics that will make you think twice about your next trip to the Big Apple. And speaking of New York, is Governor Cuomo off the hook? Did he survive the onslaught of accusers coming forward with claims of sexual harassment and assault? And the Oscars last night were the least watched of all time. We'll have some fun with that story, but we'll tell you why the CCP banned the show from airing in China. You won't believe it. All of that and more tonight on Dr. Gina Primetime. The census numbers are out, and we know what states will gain and lose seats in the U.S. House of Representatives. Texas gained two seats. Florida gained one seat, as well as Colorado, Montana, North Carolina, Oregon. California lost one seat, as well as Illinois, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. So you can see that blue states generally lost population, and red Republican-leaning states generally gained population with seats in Congress. And the exception of Colorado and Oregon that are known as blue states. Very interesting fact was released. Census experts said that if 89 more people had been counted in the census in New York State, they would not have lost a seat. How about that? Think about that for a second in relation to the murder rate in New York City. Just interesting to consider, right? The New York City Daily News is reporting a disturbing, a disturbing uptrend, in fact, on that topic, the murder rate. So you could say that the state murdered its way out of a congressional seat if you really wanted to think about it that way. And an electoral vote in a presidential election obviously could make a huge difference. So there you have it. Or you could also think of it this way. The governor's handling of COVID patients in New York State could be blamed for this. If Governor Cuomo hadn't forced COVID-positive patients into nursing homes, then they would not have lost a congressional seat. True story. And this is also why illegal immigration is such a big issue. California has seen an exodus in recent years as socialist policies have gotten out of control there, and they likely would have lost more than one seat in Congress if they hadn't been allowing illegal immigrants um, to, to pour into that state as they have. And so every big city advertises as a sanctuary city, as you know. And illegals are flocking there and maintaining the population as American citizens flee. And now you see why Democrats push so hard to have illegal immigrants counted in the census. Democrat states are losing seats in Congress as well as electoral votes in the presidential election. So 
If you ever wonder why Democrats are pro-illegal immigration, there you have one more reason. Now coming up, we will analyze these new numbers in Congress with Jody, uh, Congressman Jody Heiss, and we're going to go over the disturbing murder statistics in New York City with New York City radio talk show host Kevin McCullough and Ben Burkwam at the border on the RAV Save America bus. That is all coming up, a jam-packed show you will not want to miss right here on Dr. Gina Primetime. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Prime Time. Well, it is a day that ends in Y, so it's another day of, unfortunately, the Biden border crisis. Now, stay on the lookout in your town because you might just see the RAV Save America Freedom Tour bus roll through your town. Ben Burkwam headed across the country with some of our other RAV hosts and crew. Ben is with us now. Ben, great to see you. Uh, it's great to be on with you, Dr. Gina, from the beautiful town of Victoria, Texas. Very, very exciting. Now, Ben, uh, tell us what all you're seeing there, what you're hearing from folks on the ground, and uh, all about what your tour is about. Well, we started in, on Saturday in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, that's actually where Star Coaches is home-based. Uh, we actually started at the Star Cafe, had some great interviews there, talking to people. Really, it's what our whole network's about. Real America's Voice is getting the voice of the people from across the country. We were talking about election, election fraud, uh, the new laws in Georgia, and what's, what they're expecting in 2022. And then as we continued down, we were in uh, Alabama and Mississippi and uh, Louisiana, and now we're in Texas. And everywhere we're going, it's, it's finding out the common ground, the issues that affect all Americans, the things that, the, that make America great, and uh, the areas that, uh, the, where the left is attacking. Ultimately, we're going to end up in McAllen, Texas on Wednesday for our special that will air from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern time uh, at the wall, at the border, with Border Patrol, Angel Moms, uh, people that have been affected, ranchers, business owners, and folks from all over. And actually the builder of that wall, Tommy Fisher, will be there and several other. We just got some word that some other big-time guests are going to be joining us down there. And this is just the first leg of a lar larger tour that we're planning for Real America's Voice where we bring Real America's Voice to you and we get to hear from you. we got folks behind us that we're doing interviews with. Uh, that are coming out all along the way that are joining us and we're having conversations with them. And what's interesting is everywhere you go, you hear very similar issues. You know, ev even if the, the, the local issues may be slightly different, the enemy's the same and the battle's the same uh, and, and the mobilizing the people is the same. It's all about restoring our, our trust in the election, uh, restoring honor for our country, getting rid of this, this undermining of our country protecting our borders, uh, it's all connected. That's the main thing that people need to understand. Whether you're in Georgia or California or Tennessee or Alabama uh, or here in Texas, it's all the same, we're all connected and we all have to either stand together or we're all gonna, or we're all gonna fall together. That's so true. 
uh, quoted like one, one another Ben that I know, Ben Franklin, I think, said that first. Uh, anyway, Ben, uh, tell us, you have a special coming up on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Tell us about what people can expect from that. Well, first, we're going to be down on the border. We're going to be doing some boat tours on the Rio Grande, taking you to the places where the, the crisis is even getting worse. It's absolute chaos. And then we're just going to lay it down. The special is going to be, uh, we're going to have a panel with angel families. We're going to have angel moms down there that uh, whose children have been murdered. One of those is a first-time speaker at any of our events. Her son was a Border Patrol agent in McAllen, Texas, murdered by two illegal aliens. We're going to be talking to them. We're going to be talking to Border Patrol, getting the most up-to-date numbers on what's happening there and what people can do. And then the business owners that have been affected by this, uh, some of those, People are coming, are traveling down hundreds of miles away from the border, but they're affected as well. So it's really, it's it's a full, uh, and then we'll have some politicians, some representatives, some folks there that are representing the people that are actually standing up. We want to give a full picture of what's happening at the border so that the viewers on Real America's Voice, if they're not going to show it on CNN or MSNBC or any of the other fake news networks out there, we're going to show it here and we're going to expose the truth. Uh, and it's ironic, it's the same day that Joe Biden's supposed to be given his State of the Union. We're going to actually give a little truth before he does whatever he does in the evening. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, people are going to need that that day. Ben, I dare say you might be uh, the salve on their souls that day. Ben, thank you so much for being here. We're looking forward to that Wednesday at 2 p.m. That would be Eastern time, and that would make it 11 Pacific. Ben, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Dr. G. Talk to you soon. All right. Well, Kamala Harris was put in charge of the border crisis by Joe Biden, but she's not doing much. She hasn't made a visit to the border yet, even though it's pretty easy for her to get there. Any member of media, including our border correspondents, could help her find her way. But even though Kamala hasn't been there, lucky illegal immigrant children are getting copies of her children's book called Superheroes Are Everywhere. Hmm. I wonder what the headlines would say if the federal government started distributing the art of the deal back during the Trump years. But we won't probably ever know the answer to that because if we did that, it would blow. If President Trump had done that, it would blow sky high. And if he did it in his next term, if he is to be elected like so many are hoping for, of course, that would blow sky high too and probably result in a third impeachment trial. Here with us to talk about all the stuff going down that is important man on top of all of it, Congressman Jody Heiss joins us now. Congressman, so great to see you. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Uh, Congressman Kamala Harris, you know, she says she can't get to the border. She's just way, way too busy with things like COVID which I don't even know what about COVID or why COVID's keeping her so busy, but children are getting her book. That's very important that she self-promotes to all the children at the border. So maybe that's why she wants to flood the border with illegals so that she can get more of her books printed. I don't know. Do we know if she's making a profit from these books being distributed to the illegal immigrant children? We don't know. I think that's a great question. We need to know the answer to that. We also need to know who is paying for these books to be put in the a welcome package to begin with. I would assume that at the end of the day, it's the American taxpayers who are paying for Kamala's book to be distributed to these illegal individuals coming across our border. What are we thinking? What's going on at our southern border? It's been over a month where she has been supposedly in charge of what's happening in the southern border. She has yet to even make a trip there, and yet her book is there. Uh, it's hard to make this stuff up. It's hard to believe 
but it is absolute insanity. And I, I want to know the answer to your question, and I want to know who's paying for these books to be placed there to begin with. Congressman, the situation at the border, definitely a crisis. Some in the Biden administration, including Biden himself now, have actually slipped up and called it a crisis. It's hard not to when you look at what's actually happening there. We cover it every night here on the show. But that word almost implies that it just somehow happened to them, right? Like the aftermath of a natural disaster that we didn't see coming or something like that. But is, is this just a crisis that is being mishandled, or is this something that the Biden administration could put a stop to today, but they choose not to do it? Well, they certainly could put a stop to it. Keep in mind, just four months ago, they inherited a very good, safe, secure southern border. The policies implemented by President Trump were working. They were effective. I personally have been down there multiple times. I had seen it during the Trump administration when it was problematic. I had seen it at the end of the Trump administration when the borders were secure. Four months ago, that was the situation. And now we are seeing record numbers of individuals come across our borders illegally. Just from February to March alone, we saw over a 100% increase in unaccompanied children alone. This is unbelievable what is happening at our southern border. The cartels are in control. We are seeing human trafficking, drug trafficking. Uh, we are seeing uh, just uh, terrorists come across as we're now catching many. Uh, and we don't even know how many are getting away. This is a, a, is a crisis is almost hard to describe what really is taking place. I'll be going back down there again next week myself. Uh, this is of gigantic proportions, what is happening at our southern borders so far as using the word crisis. This is an unbelievable, unacceptable, unnecessary crisis that just four months ago did not even exist. And Congressman, the crisis, uh, the, I'm sorry, crisis, yes, crisis. The census numbers are out as well. And now we know what states will gain and lose seats in the House gains and losses in the U.S. House of Representatives. Texas gained two seats. Florida gained one seat, as well as Colorado, Montana, North Carolina, Oregon. Uh, but California lost one seat, as well as Illinois, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. Congressman, I noticed a little bit of a pattern here. I want to give you a chance to comment on that. But also my question for you is, what effect will this have on the balance of power in the House of Representatives when these seats are filled in the next election, in your opinion? I think there's no question that Republicans are going to regain control of the House and very likely regain control of the Senate as well. Uh, and you look at the, the states that have lost seats. I mean, predominantly, they are Democratic states. Uh, and is it any wonder we have had the Democratic blue leadership of these states that have shut down their states, destroyed businesses for over a year now. People are fleeing from those states, going to states that are open, states that respect liberty and freedoms of individuals. And as a result, we have states like California, New York, Michigan, and others who are losing seats. Uh, that's exactly what you would expect, given the behavior of the leadership of these radical Democratic-led states. Congressman, I want to show you what AOC thinks of how Biden is doing so far. I found this absolutely fascinating, and I want to get your take. Listen. I do think that um, the Biden administration and President Biden has definitely 
exceeded expectations that progressives had. Uh, you know, I'll be frank, I think a lot of us expected a much more conservative administration. Now, Congressman, Joe Biden's approval rating is actually record low, well below 50 percent, uh, straight across the board, uh, extremely low with Republicans, but low even among Democrats, but exceptionally high with progressives. And he seems to have abandoned the larger majority of his own party. The progressives make up a very, very slim percentage of the Democrat Party, especially progressives as radically leftist and really totalitarian-minded uh, as AOC. Congressman, are you surprised at how far left Joe Biden has become? Well, yes and no. I, I am because that is not typically who Joe Biden has been his whole career. But I'm not surprised when you understand that we all see that the mental capacity of Joe Biden is slipping. Uh, to what extent? I mean, we really don't know, but there's no question that it's slipping. So the question is, who is really in control of making the decisions? And there's no question that this administration has opened its doors wide to progressives, to radicals, to socialists, to Marxists. And as a result, we are seeing the type of policies implemented and the type of executive orders signed that we are seeing. And the number one word that I hear across the 10th District of Georgia and across the country in different places I talk to people, uh, the number one word I hear is people are frightened. They are scared for what they're seeing take place in our country. And that, again, I believe is going to be tremendous inspiration for people to get out and vote. And that is another reason why I believe we're going to see a massive shift in power uh, come uh, the upcoming election in 2022. Uh, yeah, I think one of the scariest things in the world is when you realize someone's not even concerned about being uh, popular within their own party, that maybe they've decided that the voting block of their own party isn't even important to them. And then you have to ask yourself, well, then what is important to them? How do they plan to get reelected if it isn't by uh, actually keeping their own voters happy? That is a really, really scary place to be in our government. Uh, Congressman, I don't want to keep you any longer. I know you're super busy. Appreciate you so much being with us. I understand you'll be back in the Palm Beaches very soon. We'll look forward to seeing you shaking things up over at Mar-a-Lago, where I told you I was today, and everybody was uh, excited that you were going to be on the show tonight, so I know they'll all be watching. Thanks for being with us. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. All right. See you soon. Coming up, now that the new census numbers are in, New York State lost a seat in Congress and lost an electoral vote. But is that the least of their problems now that the murder rate is through the roof in New York City? More Dr. Gina Primetime right after this. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. And welcome back to Back to Tuna Primetime. Now, hey, are you looking for a place to vacation this year as the country is opening back up? Sounds like I'm getting ready for an infomercial, but I'm not. <laughs> you might want to cross New York City off your list. It's sad. I used to, I used to 
love to go to New York City. I'm looking over here at my producer because he used to go with me sometime. I used to travel there at least once a month to do the rounds on television. Uh, I used to go on all the networks and do commentaries. Some of them I liked a lot, some of them not so much, as you probably know and used to watch me. Uh, but now some of you don't know or watch any of those networks either. And now the risk, honestly, isn't worth the trip, and especially when you can't even go to most of the great bars and restaurants that used to be open. New York City is now infamous for people leaving New York City and for their newly reinflated murder rate. On Saturday alone, 15 people were shot in New York. A year ago on that same day, one person was shot, just to give you an idea of the rate at which this is happening. The New York Daily News reports that 410 people have been shot this year, and that is compared to 238 people shot by this time one year ago. So that rate is compounding quickly. I wonder if the murder rate has anything to do with why they lost seats in Congress. Here with me now to discuss two of my very favorite people whom I used to visit with regularity when I went to New York City, radio talk show host Kevin McCullough and RAV contributor Tom Borelli. Great to see both of you. Kevin, to you first. Used to love to come visit you, uh, see your beautiful studios there in, uh, in New York City. Uh, I'm assuming my in-studio days with you are um, not going to be happening for a while unless you all re-elect somebody like Rudy Giuliani to clean this mess up again, Kevin. 15 people shot in New York City on Saturday. These sound like the kind of statistics I'm used to reading about Chicago. And we've gotten so used to reading these kind of statistics about Chicago, which, by the way, uh, became that way during Obama's administration and then leveled off completely during Trump's administration. Things got better, even though it was still a blue-run state, a uh, blue-run city, sorry, uh, and, and things were still bad in Chicago. Uh, President Trump was improving the economy improving the state of affairs for um, people in the inner city by default, even in blue-run cities that have been run by Democrats for decades just because Donald Trump was making things better for everybody. But these are some mind-blowing statistics, Kevin. Well, when you look at the numbers, and yes, you're right, this is much more like a, a Saturday in Chicago, uh, and you compared the year-to-date numbers there, 400 plus in 2021, 200 plus in 2020. And then in the same New York Daily News article, which basically I don't really read the New York Daily News. It's kind of the equivalent of, of toilet paper. But I, I somehow fell across that headline today and had to look at it. And when I did, it, it struck me that the writer tried to associate um, a little bit of surprise that the murder rate, uh, the shooting rate was double, even though COVID-19 restrictions were being loosened as though somehow they thought that if you just let up on the COVID, uh, you know, uh, dictates that in some way that that was going to make people not want to shoot each other anymore. The problem with this is it has nothing to do with COVID and has nothing to do with loosening the restrictions. What's going on in New York City is a dictatorial mayor who decided a year ago to say we don't need the anti-crime unit and he disbanded it. And he took all of the, the door kickers and the gun grabbers that had been doing an effective job making New York City the safest big city on planet Earth, and, and they turned it into a war zone. And so what we're dealing with now on a weekly basis are numbers that are starting to look like what they've known in Chicago for years, which is every weekend in certain neighborhoods, a bunch of people are going to get shot. And by the way, we also happen to have very tight gun restrictions here. So there's there's a high degree of confidence that those people aren't going to be shot back at 
which might also serve as an incentive for them not to do it in the first place. But these Democrat mayors, Tom, are instituting more and more Democrat policies. They're defunding police. They are taking away guns, as Kevin mentioned. Um, and, and there are a lot of other ways. You know, you increase the welfare spending, you're going to get more shootings. It just results that way. Um, you take kids out of school and you kowtow to the teachers' unions, you're going to end up with more drugs and more shootings. You open the borders, the southern border. People might th not think that has anything to do with shootings in, in, uh, in New York, but it does because the drugs are pouring across the border now as they had essentially stopped under Donald Trump. Uh, drugs increase crime, crime increases shootings. So Tom, all of these things factor in. Uh, the broken family rate, which has doubled since 1968 in America. Uh, broken down families contribute to, guess what, shootings. Uh, the list goes on and I mean, really, we could, we, could, we could spend the whole hour of the show with me just listing off failed Democrat policies that destroy, especially minority families, but inner city families uh, like those in New York and like those in Chicago that are going to mean that under a Democrat-run country, a Democrat-run state, and a Democrat-run city, these folks in New York don't stand a chance, do they, Tom? No, Dr. Gina, they don't. And while politicians may lie, uh, the statistics don't. And the information that Kevin just mentioned, as well as other issues, like I think from year to date compared to last year, shootings are up 64% in New York City. And I think sexual assault is up over 300%. These are frightening and staggering statistics. And a city like New York City is in a death spiral. And what is the city doing? They're not doing anything really to cut back on the crime. I think they cut the budget of the police department, they move money out. Kevin made a great point about really defanging one of the most uh, effective policing tactics they have. So it really is in a death spiral and it's gonna take a long time, I think, really to fix it. Because as you mentioned, I think in the introduction, people are actually leaving New York City, going to places where you live <laughs> in uh, Florida, which is safer, but also has uh, no personal income tax. So I, these companies, the people, it is really, uh, you see people making the move right now. People are voting with their feet. It's a quality of life issue completely. Dr. Gina, I just want to add to what Tom yes. was saying there, and that is that um, there's a couple of other factors that the, that the nation doesn't know about. One of them is our bail reform law that went into effect in January of last year. And prior to that, you would even have seen better numbers than what they had in 2020. We're comparing 21 to 2020, but if you go back to 2019 and 2018, when you, when you committed a firearm offense, you didn't just go to a court and they gave you a, a, a scheduled to appear ticket, which is what you now get. So to the New York Daily News' article's point is, these guys commit these crimes because they don't feel like they're gonna get shot back at. They don't feel like they're gonna get arrested. And when they do get arrested, they're just gonna get a ticket that says you gotta come back in a few weeks uh, to have your hearing. They don't take this seriously. Nobody does. And that's the problem. They think they can shoot with impunity. Guess what? Bad people are gonna keep doing things until you tell them that they shouldn't do it. Well, and that's exactly right, Kevin. And, and you look at the reasons people leave and, and the numbers of people that are leaving, it's shocking. 
Um, but when they're coming to states like Florida, you know, you're looking at places where in Florida, you know, we, we didn't have the COVID restrictions. Um, we didn't have the mask mandates. Our governor said no. Um, we we don't have the gun restrictions. We have freedoms where you know if you if you walk in someplace, you know, wielding a gun here, you just might get shot by a good guy with a gun. Um, and then you take that one step further and you look at, you know, our even our welfare state is obviously not run by people who want to keep people dependent on welfare. We have a lot of incentives to get people off of welfare and, in fact, to get them to be working and then to give them tax incentives uh, to stay working and to own property and to have successful lives and be successful. So, Kevin, all of that comes down to mean this. New York State lost a seat in Congress thanks to the latest census, or, uh, and they say that they were 89 people short. In other words, if they had counted 89, just 89 more people in the entire state, they would have retained their electoral votes, and that extra vote in the House uh, but 89 people are killed in just a few weeks in your state these days. And even if you just, however you want to, wherever you want to take those 89 people from, you can take them from the shootings that we just talked about, Kevin. You could take them from the nursing home deaths that you could say Cuomo is directly responsible for, many do. Uh, you could take those from any number of places. Uh, but you could say, you could say that your state murdered its way out of a congressional seat, could you not? I don't think that you have to have any stretch of the imagination to imagine that. 89, uh, 89 would fold into the 16,000 nursing home deaths 200 times. You're talking, about, uh, you're talking about a number of people that died on Governor Cuomo's watch that he directly played a hand in that he's still never been held accountable for. The good thing is, and I don't want people to lose total faith, uh, New York City is resilient. There's a lot of discussions about who needs to be mayor. That race is being held this year. Crime is going to be the number one issue that it's decided on. And there's going to be people that are going to say, I'm different than what you've had. Give me a chance. I hope that the voters of New York will, will recognize that. And then in the following year, in 2022, that's when Andrew Cuomo will get his comeuppance because there's a number of people like our incredible congresswoman from Long Island, uh, congressman from Long Island, um, uh, Lee Zeldin, who is standing for that job, and I think would really bring New York back in a powerful way. But we've got to we've got to get those people in place. You keep sending the same people back to the same offices, you're going to get the same results. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't agree with you more on the Lee Zeldin issue. In fact, if people want to, I'll be tweeting something about Lee Zeldin tonight. People can go uh, to my thing and find out some my, to my, uh, any of my social media, and I'll be posting something about him if they want to get involved because I think it's a really critical, critical race. Uh, Kevin, I, I also saw a story I want to stay with you for just one second that pro Cuomo billboards are popping up around the state. And a few weeks ago, some of us assumed he would have stepped down by now. Fancy thinking, uh, but Cuomo is holding on. How is this possible with the stream of women that came out to accuse him? And who is putting up these billboards, if you know? If you notice, there are women's names at the bottom of the billboard. Uh, I guess me think the man protesteth too much. He's got to prove to everyone that he has at least two female friends who are willing to put some nice words on a billboard for him. This this doesn't I don't know if it'll hurt him politically because I don't I'm not sure there's anything that can hurt him because he can't we can, we don't have any way of removing him un, un, until uh, the election. You, you, there's we're a one party state. Democrats aren't going to impeach him. And if you don't have a recall function for the voters to effectively do that, there's no way to get him out. But judgment day is coming. And there's a lot of women who have felt that he was 
uh, not uh, what they thought he was. And uh, these, uh, and I don't even really get into the sexual harassment allegations. My, what he did in the nursing homes was by itself impeachable, and he should have stepped down immediately. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's an interesting uh, time of judgment ahead for Andrew Cuomo. Tom, why does it seem like Republicans run and hide and resign in the face of scandal, but Democrats just wait through the media hype and uh, hire a crisis management team and keep their seats? We saw it in Virginia. Remember the governor who dressed up as a Klansman at a party and he just he just stayed in there. Party forgives him. You know, I mean, Joe Biden's in the White House for crying out loud. The guy who said the N-word repeatedly, who gave the eulogy, I believe, at a, at a Klansman's funeral. Um, you know, we have Kamala, who's straight up lied about her race, and no one seems to care about that, who called Joe Biden a racist, and now she ran as his running mate, and they somehow got elected, and the party just forgets about it. It's, it's, it's almost unbelievable. You know, in the Republican Party, you know, someone can break a nail on camera, and we go, oh, no, let's get them out of our party. Cleanse, cleanse. You're absolutely right. I mean, that, that's a huge difference between the two parties. I think it goes all the way back to former President Bill Clinton. If you just stay in office and just play out the clock, you eventually win if you're a Democrat. A big part of it, I think, is is the media because the media are part of the problem. They really are the enemy of the people in a lot of instances because they will not continually hammer a Democrat like they do a Republican. And to your point, Republicans get really nervous when the media turns against one of their fellow uh, people in their party and they get pressure to step down. They're, they really operate on, on two different planets, the way they respond to whatever crisis is in a moment. And, and Dr. Gene, you read my mind when you mentioned uh, Governor Northrum of, of Virginia. I mean, my God, he was either a Klansman or he was in blackface. It was A or B, but it all didn't matter. Both equally bad. It didn't matter. Your point about Joe Biden, when Joe Biden was first elected to the Senate, what was the first thing he did? He worked with the segregationists. That's what he did. And then his mentor and friend was Klansman himself, former Klansman, the late Robert Byrd, who ended up being the majority leader of the Democrats. It is just staggering what the Democrats can get away with. But I blame a lot of times, I blame the media and also blame a lot of Republicans for not really standing on principle. Yeah, you know, you really have to, you have to say again that um, we've got to learn from the things that are happening in the in the in the Democrat Party, we've got to take a page sometimes out of their book. I always say, they circle wagons while we circle file fire. But there's there's another interesting dynamic. I was having a conversation today, actually, at a lunch I was at with some very very, uh, I want to just say, powerful people uh, within our movement. And I don't mean RNC types. I'm talking about people that actually make things happen. Uh, that, that matter in this world, that are doing a lot of really cool things within the conservative movement at large. And it was maybe five of my uh, most respected uh, personalities uh, that uh, in politics right now. And I don't want to mention names because one of them I'm not sure wanted anyone to know that he was there today. So I, I, I'm always careful if I'm not sure, if they're not publicly there, I'm careful. And this is the person that said this. But he was talking about, and I think this is interesting for our viewers, he was talking about the way that we like to talk about answers and the democrats always talk about the problem and we don't do that because most of us are business owners and most of us don't want to whine about how we got there 
We just want to talk about that. We th these are this is how we won the war. This is how we built the business. This is how we know. This is what works, and this is and this is what we did to build it, right? And that's what we want to talk about because we're not whiners. We're not complainers. We don't want to muddle and ruminate on what we did to get here. We just want to tell you we did this, and this works, and here's the blueprint, and here's how you can be part of it. And that's what we want to talk about. Whereas the Democrats, they've never been in private industry, most of them. Um, and, and so they are very used to complaining and whining and, and selling the journey. They're very used to talking about victimhood and what it feels like to be a victim. But the problem with our approach, I've never heard it described like this, and you know I study the psychology of politics and, and, and psychology of politics constantly my, my whole career. That's what I've studied. Never heard anybody put it this way, and I thought it was brilliant. And he went on to say uh, that until we define the problem for our people, when we give the answer, they'll never be ready to hear it. Mm. And I just, it never clicked for me like that until I heard him say it, and I knew him to be a wise man to begin with. But when he said that, I thought, you're right. We've got to start defining the problem. It doesn't make us victims to say this is the problem, and we want to help answer it. Before we give the answers, we've got to give the problem. So you, you made me think of that, Tom, when you said that, because I do think that conservatives tend to want to gloss over the, the journey that we've been through to get where we are. Many of us have, have built our lives, and we've been successful, and we want to say, here are the answers. We don't want to whine about, yeah, you know what? We bootstrapped it, too, and we've been through problems, too, and many of us have had COVID, too, but we don't talk about that. We say, oh, no, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and vitamin C and zinc, right? That's what we want to talk about. But, uh, but they all want to talk about, oh, but I was so sick with COVID. Well, we don't talk about that. I just thought it was fascinating, and I wanted to, to say that because it's not very often that somebody really sets a light bulb off in my head, but that really set a light bulb off in my head. Anyway, that was totally unscripted and unplanned and unprompted, but uh, Tom, you reminded me of that conversation, and I think we need to have these conversations as conservatives. I want to give either of you a chance to comment, because both of you are geniuses, and I just know both of you might have insight on that. Well, I, I think to the uh, anonymous sources point, Dr. Gina, it's really true. Uh, conservatives think about solutions. And, you know, we're, we're also not uh, by nature activists. We don't sit around and think about how to organize and march on things and, and do that kind of stuff because we are busy going to church, uh, going to work, paying our taxes, trying to follow the speed limit, do a little hunting, do a little fishing, spend some time with our families and love our God. I mean, that's that's what the center right is about in America. And there's not a lot of time to feel sorry for oneself, lick one's wounds and go, oh, I need somebody to help come save me. No, we're busy about doing the business of doing the business. The other side, they've got lots of time and that's why they're good at organizing and we've got to get better at it. But I think if we do, if we follow in the mold of uh, someone like Donald Trump who said, the problem is clearly this, I'm gonna bring a solution that clearly does this, we will offer a contrast to the five months that we've had of the other guy who can't even uh, decide what kind of jello he's going to have for lunch today, much less uh, what he needs to do on the board. Great point, Tom. No, I absolutely agree with Kevin. And, and it's really the, the communication is so important. You have to shorten the timeline between problem and solution. You know, over the last month, we've talked about how many, you know, uh, you know shooting deaths there have been with, within the black community. And we just mentioned about the crime statistics in, in New York City. But those are all the problems. You know, I'm trained as a biochemist. That's way downstream 
upstream is, as you mentioned, Dr. Gene, it was the collapse of the family, you know, poor economic, poor educational opportunities. So the solution to many of our problems in the inner city are better education, strengthening the family, strengthening the churches in those communities. If you address those issues, you will win at the end. We will win at the end of the day. The people will win at the end of the day. But again, a lot of it is communication. You need to shorten the communication messages. Yes, there's problems in the inner city, but here's the solutions we need to do. It goes back to things like school choice. Because if you don't address those, you're never going to stop. You're never going to stop the problems downstream. So true, so true. And here we are back to answers, but that's what we do. And the, I mean, one other thing he said that was so interesting, and then I'll let you guys go, was, Kevin, and you alluded to this as well, was we are also fiercely independent by nature. Conservatives are fiercely independent, but we've got to get better at working together in groups and crossing, crossing over into coalitions more. Even though we don't tend to be collective by our nature, we're independent, we've got to get better at that because the Democrats are really good about that. And I think that goes back to the circling wagons thing that we started with, so that's a perfect place to end. Tom Borelli and Kevin McCullough, thank you both so much. Thank you, Dr. Gina. Thank you, Dr. Gina. Thank Coming you. up, I'm going to tell you. Yeah, absolutely. Coming up, I'm going to tell you about more inside. I was at events all weekend, all around Palm Beach, Mar-a-Lago. I know the buzz of what's coming at you. This is MAGA Mecca here, and I'm going to let you in on the secrets that nobody else knows because I'm here, and I get to see it all. I know who was here. I know what's happening. You're going to know, too. Also, the Oscars last night, lowest rated in history. Can you imagine why? Actually banned in China by the CCP. Wild stories coming at you right after this. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the Dr. Jim Primetime. Now that 45 President Donald Trump is in Palm Beach full time, there is always a line out the door of Mar-a-Lago of candidates, politicians making their pilgrimage to the President's Club. And while he may not officially be in power in Washington, D.C., I would say he is the most powerful politician, elected or unelected, in the United States, bar none, right now. Today, I attended, for example, a fundraiser for Ohio Senate candidate Josh Mandel. Now, like so many other candidates recently, he held his event today at Mar-a-Lago to woo the Palm Beach donor class. And you never know who you're going to run into at the president's winter home. Watch. Okay, so pulling up for the Josh Mandel event today. Got my trusty driver. It's kind of cute. And uh, here we are. And we'll let you know how it goes. So we're here at the Josh Mandel event, and um, here's the pretty little invitation. Hey, pretty. It's up to anyway, and waiting for him to come in, and uh, just ran into our own John Solomon, which was really cool, and snapped a quick picture, and uh, with one of Bernie Marcus's guys, and also with um, Hogan Gidley. 
And in one of these events, like the one today, President Trump most times will just surprise us all and drop in and make an appearance and chat with everyone if he's available. But it's interesting to see how many Republicans from all around the country come down to Mar-a-Lago to show their support for him and the MAGA movement. It's becoming a way to show that you are pledging yourself to that America First agenda, that you are an America First candidate. You hold your event at Mar-a-Lago, and it makes that kind of an accountability statement, if you will. And since so many leftists have targeted organizations that hold their events at Mar-a-Lago, the calendar has been opened up for all the new candidates who want to book their events at the president's club. So it's very, very interesting. And, um, and, and I just want to say that some of the names that uh, were there this weekend, some of the people that I saw, General Flynn, and where, did you have that picture? You don't even have that picture for me? Bad producer. Um, some of this stuff is all posted on my social media, so you can see some of that. I did send all of this to producer Jason, and now he's in big trouble. Um, anyway, uh, Nigel Farage is in town. Mo Brooks was there for an event where the president did show up, and of course he's running for the Senate in Alabama. Our own John Solomon made the rounds this morning, and it was very nice to see him here in my town. I love when really familiar faces show up, especially from our own network. That was great fun. Uh, Hogan Gilley is becoming a little bit of a, a staple here in Palm Beach. He's been around a whole, whole lot. I mentioned Josh Mandela already. He's running for the Ohio Senate seat. Hotly contested primary happening there in Ohio. This is going to be a very interesting race, and we'll be keeping you uh, apprised of it. It's very interesting because all of the candidates in that race are trying very hard to say they're the most MAGA, which is fascinating because the whole time I'm sitting there at this Josh Mandela event, I'm getting deluged with texts from people supporting other candidates in the race saying they're more MAGA than Josh. <laughs> so it was very interesting. Josh was lovely, a, a Jewish uh, descendant of Holocaust survivors, and a uh, very, very, um, very fascinating um, man, and also has served twice in Iraq. Jeff Brain was there of Clout Hub, you know, frequent guest on this show, who I'm a big fan of, and of course, our own, uh, I like to call him the Goat POTUS 45, and if you are from on social media at all, you know what Goat POTUS means, greatest of all time. So we'll keep you apprised. We're going to shift the show just a little bit to highlight a lot of the things happening around Palm Beach. And one of the people you will see around Palm Beach who knows everything happening here and on the ground because she has her fingers in about nine-tenths of it is my next guest. Welcome to the show. I think we have her coming up here, Jillian Anderson. Well, I'm not there enough. And I will say, I'm from Ohio. Josh Mandel was the first statewide candidate to support Donald Trump. He was. And, and he said that in his statement, but there is some conflicting information. One of my people did in the middle of this event send me an article that said something different. Josh said that's not true. You said that's not true. And so all of this, I'm sure, will come out in that uh, very interesting primary. But Josh seems like a, just an absolute dollar human being. And I told him his, um, his, intra, his opening speech, and I've written a lot of speeches for candidates, was one of the best I've ever heard in my whole entire life. I won't even try and quote it, but just suffice it to say, had my former senator politician husband from Missouri and I both just about in tears. It was so poignant and beautiful, the intro to his speech. Anyway, all right, we have to talk about these Academy Awards. I honestly, I don't even want to talk about this. I like want to move on to something else because I think it's so boring. But anyway, uh, that was the topic that my producer put in our um, prompter, so we have to talk about this. Did you watch last night? I only watched a segment. I did not watch the whole thing, but I often don't. Okay, well, the, 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 it was down a whopping record. 
setting, 58% compared to last year. I also did not watch, but you know, Jillian, I, I should have introduced you with the fact that you were on a season of Bachelor. You and I are both former reality TV show people. You and I both did ABC reality TV shows, and you and I both had a you know, less than amazing experience with it all. And I don't think either of us are big reality TV uh, show, um, let's just say, re-frequenters. I don't think we'll be doing a lot more reality TV. Or if I do any reality TV, it's going to be right here. This is pretty real. I don't know about you, but I think this is pretty real and fun. But, uh, Jillian, I think that, do you, do you, pardon? That it's more real than reality TV. It really is, and and we we are not censored here, and, and and no black boxes and all that good stuff. Did I just say that? Anyway, Jillian, let me ask you this: Do you think, and really short here because we don't have a lot of time left, but do you think they learned anything by their horrible ratings last night? I think Hollywood is very tone deaf, and we've seen that again and again. You know, the viewership for the Oscars has been down. We've seen all the viewership declining because they had all these virtual shows. It wasn't a matter of fact of was it going to be bad. It was going to be how bad was it. I mean, how bad was exactly. it? And it was bad. It's yeah. the lowest ever in record history. Right. Okay, I want to get to our meme of the day really fast. Hurry, go. All right, here is our meme of the day. It says, when you completely fail at becoming Michael Jordan, so you become Colin Kaepernick instead. Uh, this is LeBron James. Jillian, I know you enjoyed this one. Oh, I do. And as an Ohioan, L.A. can keep him. He's so much more fitting. He's more fitting to fit in with the Hollywood elites that cozy up to China. There you go. All right, Jillian Anderson, thank you for joining me. We'll have you back soon. And thanks to all of you for joining me tonight. You're home for real news, RAV TV. Don't forget, hug your children, love your God, go boldly now, live the truth, and don't forget to join us tomorrow night. We'll have more Inside Scoop. Believe it or not, there's a big event tonight with Nigel Farage, and I'll be telling you all about it tomorrow. See you then.